Come and get your I Am Strong merch. Make yourself feel good and feel better. All right, come on over to stevebryan.com today. All right, all right. Welcome to Fired Up Friday. All right. We got Pink Honey Moan in the house, Jared Lindblom. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, Steve. I'm so happy to be here, man. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. So how, how's it going today? So we're um, interested. We're interested in where did Pink Honey Moan come come from? Oh, man. <laughs> well, there's there's the there's like the kind of a bridge version if I don't want to dive down the rabbit hole too much. But since uh, since we're here and we have some time and you asked. Um, so it, it all started. Uh, this date specifically was February 14th, 2013. And I was living at that point with my then girlfriend, now wife, and we were living in this tiny little shoebox apartment in Soho, Manhattan. Um, and we both worked service and industry gigs at the time. I was working at a hotel in the meatpacking district. She was working at a restaurant in the meatpacking district. Um, it's kind of how we met through the service industry. And we always kind of had this feeling that Valentine's Day was a bit of an amateur's holiday, you know, because people would come in and do all these lavish things. And we we're kind of like, just, you know, show love every day. Right. <laughs> um, and so we, um, you know, we ended up uh, kind of in lieu of a gift. We just uh, were like, we'll have a nice dinner tonight, have a bottle of wine, celebrate that way. Um, but before I left, I we had these like refrigerator magnets Mm-hmm. And uh, I had like an early event I had to be to that morning. Um, so before I left, I left like a little note to her. And just the only thing I could find, I was kind of wiping sleep out of my eyes, was the the magnets saying, I worship your pink honey moan. And I just like kind of put it together very haphazardly. And it was like the most romantic thing I could say at that point. And I realized it does sound a little salacious and like, you know, raunchy, but it was not intended to be that way. But, it, you know, people can derive what they want from it. So and then us be, both being musicians, um, she was like, that sounds like a killer band name. And there there it was at uh, the nexus of Pink Honeymoon. <laughs> wow. So so basically Pink Honeymoon is like the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like the core of your relationship with your soulmate. Yeah, man, that's, that's such a, a beautiful way to put it. And I just feel like, you know, it's kind of like we were on this journey together in the early days. And like we've continued, you know, uh, relationships and commitment. You have to they're, they're not easy. You know, you have to every day commit yourself to that person and work through things. And, um, you know, it, it never gets easier. I think you just fight better is really what it's all about. Um, and, you know, we have a beautiful daughter now. And, uh, you know, it's all about this music journey. And kind of like finding this, you know, balancing act to continue being a present, aware father and husband um, and just, you know, being able to balance the responsibilities while also still trying to uh, give and serve uh, musically as well. So it's it's a it's a fun, precarious balancing act. And um, I'm just so privileged and honored and grateful for it. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> would you say like being a father changed you like musically? I know it changes people like as a person, (laughs) there's no way to not change, you know? (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, I've definitely felt like I maybe used to be that guy where I was like, Oh, like you can't make good music once you have kids and stuff for whatever reason. I don't know why that was like some notion in my head. And I think there's other, other artists that might think that sometimes, um, I feel like Andre 3000 had something about this and I can't remember the exact quote, but, but I really do believe that, 
there's deeper wells to draw on now that right. I am a father. And I find myself too, just opening myself up creatively more as a father. Cause like I'll be singing silly little songs that I'll make up on the guitar on the spot, which is stream of conscious, you know, stuff that doesn't really make sense. But then I'm kind of like, Oh, that melody actually, you know, kids melodies are so memorable. Like they get into your head, those little like earworm hooks. And I'm kind of like, I can maybe <laughs> translate that into something more, you know, maybe profound and not about like, you know, washing, yourself at bath time it like can actually translate into something um, more <laughs> as an adult sounding contemporary song so yeah uh, to answer your question definitely being a father has i think uh, transformed my songwriting for the better for sure steve wow wow and um you have this this thing um this is where i, I saw it uh, hunger for music is yeah hunger the, for music yeah now tell us a little bit about that you're you're doing something great here yeah, man. Thanks for asking. You know, it's um, it's this really cool thing. I guess I just to back up a little bit. I'm releasing a song on October 22nd. It's the first song um, I've released in a couple years since my last single, Closer to You. Uh, this new song is called Running Up the Hillside. You know, it's been in the can since like mid-20... When would it have been? Actually, yeah, like probably like beginning of 2020, uh, right when the pandemic hit. So I feel like I kind of got paralyzed to release it when the pandemic hit because I was focusing on other things. So anyways, I've come up now finally to the point of releasing it, overcoming resistance and procrastination. And um, I wanted to do something more than just say, here, listen to this song, you know, because I feel like so many of the times you just kind of like, I just got to get this out there and, you know, listen to it. And like, I hope some people say it's good or whatever, you know? So I ended up um, kind of thinking for a bit, and this also is why it took a little longer to release it. I wanted to do something more meaningful more impactful um, than just putting it out there on the distribution services. So I thought I'm going to do a themed uh, song release for running up the hillside. And it's kind of threefold. The first part, yes, I'm releasing the song song on October 22nd. Uh, but then also uh, to go to your question, I am uh, partnering with this really cool nonprofit music group, nonprofit called hungry for music. And their whole thing is that they, um, get donations and raise money to bring musical instruments to the hands of underserved, underprivileged kids who don't have the means to get these instruments. Um, really, really cool organization. I think they're based out of the DC area. And so I had seen actually another um, music community. Somebody was talking about this, this group. And I thought that's super cool. Like I would love to like use that as a way to like kind of just ultimately make this release more impactful and more meaningful. And so I uh, set up a GoFundMe page. Um, I guess, I don't know if you can like link that in your show notes and stuff, but uh, the GoFundMe page ultimately is just, you know, uh, linking to the fact that I'm doing the song release. And if you can donate, I think the first tier is $5 up to a hundred dollar plus VIP, you know, you'll get all these like kind of cool goodies from me. Um, and uh, personal treatment. And then, uh, and then the third part is three prong. It's very ambitious. <laughs> um, <laughs> is that I, uh, the theme is called my music marathon song release. And it is tying into the idea, this notion that, um, you know, a music journey, my music journey is not a sprint, it's a marathon. And it's kind of like those, those daily incremental actions that you can take, whether it's 10 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day, those lead up to bigger things. Similar to how I'm going to attack this, I'm going to be running the equivalent of a marathon over five days, um, October 18th through October 22nd. Each day, I'm running 5.24 miles. So by the final day, October 22nd, the day of the song release, it will be 
the full 26.2 miles of a marathon. So that is, in a nutshell, <laughs> um, the whole uh, My Music Marathon song release and then partnering with Hungry, Hungry for Music uh, nonprofit. So, yeah. Wow. So many questions. Um, <laughs> yeah. Go for it. Firstly, um, are you conditioning to run? <laughs> you know, it's funny, man. Like I found, so I, I was a runner in high school, more just for like the social aspect and being able to get out of school. Um, and then, uh, and then I found running to be just this like beautiful kind of, um, you know, for my mental health, I would say like I, I'd ran kind of decently over, you know, the course of my life since high school. And then um, I really feel like when the pandemic hit in, you know, February, March of 2020, I was just looking for, you know, we're all kind of both mentally and physically, like we're so closed off to everything. You know, we're all in our houses, all scared, not knowing, anxiety stricken. I'm a pretty chill person, even though I talk kind of fast being on the East Coast for so long now. <laughs> I um, I feel like there was just a sense I needed to just get F out and run and just like sweat and feel my blood pumping. And then I find also I come up with so many song ideas that beat, you know, kind of always have this idea like when I'm running that I have like this Elton John song like Saturday, 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 you know, Saturday night's all right for fighting. <laughs> I don't know why that always goes through my head when I'm running. But um, but the uh, the conditioning aspect, I've uh, I've kind of, you know, ever since the pandemic hit, I've just been running all the time, mostly for my mental well-being. And then it just physically, that's the cherry on top. Like I can still stay fit and active. Um, and then uh, I actually just had just put up like a little kind of my plan on my Instagram, uh, my pink honey moan Instagram about like how I'm going to attack the, the kind of like the, what's seems to be maybe a bit of a grueling five days getting up 5:30 AM every morning, you know, strapping my shoes on, put my headphones on, get my fanny pack, put the phone in, get the podcast going, maybe some uh, fired up Friday, Steve Ryan podcast, <laughs> get out on the road, man. And then just run. And it's, it's typically taking me about 40 to 45 minutes to run the 5.24 miles. And then that allows me, I'm waking up early enough. I can still be home, make the coffee, make the breakfast, make sure I'm there for my wife and daughter and they wake up and, you know, being a present, kind, aware father and husband, which ultimately I think is, uh, I mean, that's my main responsibility. The music stuff is always going to be there, but like, I just, you know, I want to make sure that I'm not blowing up my life for my music though, either. And that's always, right. always a, a big concern, man. Cause you know, music can be such a witchy, mistress and muse that like you constantly are wanting to do it and it takes time it takes money it takes energy but um but yeah ultimately i just i want to use music as a way to be a better father and husband and human and for that matter right and and did you say earlier that your wife is into music too or she is yeah okay. you know, she is a musician classically trained um vocalist and a, and a great pianist even though she won't admit it and she just like i want to say i mean i don't know if you're familiar with phoebe bridgers but like i feel like my wife and phoebe bridgers are like these like doppelganger uh i don't know humans like it's just it's crazy i feel like my wife just has like just such like a, a beautiful sense of melody and um space and cadence and her voice is just so soaring and lovely and yeah and uh she she puts me in my place a lot of times musically because I lack discipline, Steve. <laughs> my wife is like this regimented like Navy SEAL when it comes to like, when it comes to music. It's it's very impressive. Very impressive. So I, I owe a lot to her and my um my progression and my growth as a musician for sure. 
Yeah. Well, I, I don't think pursuing your music is going to be an issue with a, with a great wife like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, sometimes we, we do. I would say a lot of our fights tend to be when I've been maybe spending too much time on music and, you know, not enough time, I don't know, dusting or, or cleaning. Cause I'm, I'm kind of like the house frau, Steve, of, cause I've, I've like always had this, I've, I used to have this, like, um, you know, I guess when I, I've been in New York now, uh, from South Dakota, I've been in New York now since, uh, 2005, I moved here and New Jersey granted now, um, with my wife and kid, but just right skipping a hop across the George Washington bridges is, is, uh, Washington Heights and Harlem. So I'm like a 10 minute, uh, drive into New York. Anyways, I digress. I, um, I say that most of my fights that my wife and I have are just me wanting to, you know, do music all the time. And I realize that I have other responsibilities and I've been able to carve out this kind of like really weird, non-traditional path of like consulting for restaurants and other music businesses and making money that way. And then also, you know, being able to be available for my daughter, take her to school, pick her up, get her to dance and uh, do a little house cleaning and cooking. And um, just like spinning a lot of plates, but a lot of times plates are <laughs> you know, falling off at the, at the in, in opportune times. And yeah, but uh, at the end of the day, I am just, you know, just so grateful for the support system and love that I have um, in my life. I, I owe everything to my family and friends. It's, it's really, I just feel so blessed. Cool. That, that's awesome. <laughs> you kind of, um, you and her kind of remind me of, um, I have a friend of mine and uh, she's a Grammy winner. Her name is Laura uh, mm-hmm. Sullivan and her and her husband, they're like a, a a music team, and but he produces more so than the than the playing himself. But that's what it kind of reminds. When I have heard him do some singing, it kind of reminds me of your style some. But he's more on the producing end, and she's classically trained and things. So when you were talking to your story, that that I totally pictured them too. <laughs> what's uh, what's I'm gonna write their name? What's their name, Steve? Uh, Laura Sullivan. Laura Sullivan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. I'm gonna check that out. Heck and yeah. her husband is Eric Sullivan. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, I've been knowing them for a, for a while. Like I knew them before she won a Grammy. So, and and it's really the same. The reason I'm bringing this up is because the the words that you mentioned, like that this is a, a marathon and it's not a sprint. Same philosophy. Like she had been at it for a while, and next thing you know, the Grammy came around, and and you would think like, oh, you have to be you know, hips and doing electronic pop music to ever win. And she totally defied that. And, and just the nicest person ever and, and hasn't changed. That's has so not cool. changed. <laughs> you know, that's, that's so, that's awesome to hear that, man. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that. Cause it's just like, you know, yeah. I think, I think so much of, and I know you're a musician and, and uh, you know, you've been putting out music for a bit and I have been listening to some of your stuff, man. It's, I just like, I feel like goosebumps right here, man. It's just so like, <laughs> positive and inspirational. So thanks for sharing your gifts. But I, I just love what you said there, just in the sense that, you know, so much of music is just kind of toiling away in like these quiet corners of like both, you know, our mind and like our spaces and stuff like that. And this is like the self-doubt that continues to bubble up. A lot of times it's our yeah. own self-sabotaging tendencies that, you know, it's it's not even like the kind of outside or it's it's actually never the things on the outside, the external things that are stopping you. It's It's your own personal, you know, self-doubt and imposter syndrome and like, what the hell do I have to offer? And like, what do I have to say that hasn't been said before? And I, you know, it's just, it's really cool to hear somebody like, like, um, 
like Laura and Eric, just like, yeah, they had been at, have been at it for a long time. And to hear that, you know, they, and yeah, like, and then, you know, that Grammy, that's a great kind of accolade, but also the finish line now just moves back again for them. It's like, okay, now what's the next thing? And I think that's also one of the things, if you feel this way about music too, it's like, okay, you, you do this thing and you like, you've been working, working, clawing. And then it's like, okay, I got it. Now what's next? But that's really just to say, enjoy the damn process, enjoy the work, <laughs> you enjoy the work and you enjoy the process. then that is a life well lived, my friend. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, another reason for bringing that up is that just your energy, like, like I heard you, um, when I invited you on the show, heard you uh, playing live. You had your daughter and you were playing the guitar. And, and it was just like, it was, that was goosebumps because it was just so pure. It was just so sincere. Your music just comes across so honest. And that separates it from a, a, a lot of other music. Not that it's a competition or anything, but I really feel that you're reaching people because you're willing to put your heart on the platter and say, hey, here I am. Here's what I'm presenting, you know, and that that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you saying that, Steve. You know, it's it's always scary to put yourself out there in any capacity. And I, I think that the strength that I've gathered to be able to put myself out there more does come from my family, man. And that's like yeah. like I was talking about those deeper wells you draw on. Like, I just feel so the space they hold for me feels so supported and warm and loving that like being able to share myself in a way with kind of, you know, perfect strangers um, doesn't feel, I mean, it's still vulnerable, right? But, it's, uh, but it doesn't feel scary, I guess. And I've just been doing it long enough now too, that I, I realized that, you know, all that, uh, that junk in your head, that you're kind of like, Oh, why, you know, why do this? And it's kind of like, no, well, I've been, I guess, rewarded enough times um, that, I know that if I just continue doing it, like there's going to be a lot of failed attempts and a lot of misses, but you know, one out of, I don't know, every hundred times that somebody like you says, Hey man, I saw that video. That's the reason I keep going. It's just like that, like connected with somebody out there. And like, that means, that means the world, man. It's really the best feeling ever. Yeah. I mean that video, I was immediately like, okay, where can I donate? <laughs> like, what is this, you know, the hunger for kids and, and what's the, what's the website for that? And yeah, I'll put it in the description as yeah, well. That'd be great, man. I can just, I can uh, send it over through um, the private chat. Is that cool for you? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And then you can just drop that into the show notes. Um, what is it here? It is called my music. <laughs> so everyone listening, um, as you're listening to us uh, here right now, um, if you don't see it, just give it a little bit after the show ends and it's going to be in the description as well. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. It's a cool thing. I'm using the hashtag hungry for like the letter, uh, like the number four music mm -hmm. as the hashtag. If, if you're wanting to share it, I mean, I totally get to, if you're not able to donate, you know, you're not in a financial position, but even just if it resonates um, to share it would be phenomenal. I would really appreciate it. So thank you too for, for sharing it here, Steve. Um, so yeah, I just, I just pop that into the, um, the private chat there. If you want to just grab that link. Cool. So okay. Perfect. I got it. So, um, so you, you mentioned that you went through some challenges, uh, to, to make you who you are. I mean, is there anything that comes to mind that you're open to sharing as far as like, what's something that you overcame to get sure. to where you are now? Sure, man. Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a pretty open book and, um, feel totally comfortable, you know, talking about this stuff. And I appreciate you asking. 
The, I would say the first thing I know we touched on a bit, self doubt is huge. I think coming from a place like South Dakota that, you know, it's a square state kind of seemingly in the middle of nowhere, you know, you can't help where you're born. And I, and I, I have no, I love South Dakota. I love, you know, the people that I love that are there. And I have, I have no bad things to say about South Dakota. Um, I know there's a lot, you know, everybody lives in their own bubble, but it's, it's just what, what it is. Um, but anyways, I would say that there's kind of like this, this feeling when I first came to New York that, um, ultimately I felt like this imposter syndrome, you know, I'm like, I'm like this kid from the prairie, what the heck do I have to say or offer and stuff like that? Like I didn't have, you know, I just felt like I had the long hair. I was trying to like be the, you know, I was trying to look the rocker part, but I just like always just didn't believe in myself enough. So it's, it's that first thing I would say the challenge is getting over that. And then, you know, being in bands and my, all my bandmates were from New York. They had this kind of like surefire confidence that I was able to glean on, which was phenomenal. And they're still some of my best friends in the world. Um, so playing a lot of shows, being amongst people like that, that like really kind of like up level you and uh, the rising tide lifts all ships. That was a really great thing. And then I would say um, something that, you know, personally happened in my life. Um, I can pinpoint to 20, the uh, year of 2018, kind of like it was probably around this time, actually, like October 2018. I'd been working um, this, I guess, quote unquote, big boy job. I'd been working in restaurants for a long time and um, hotels and was able to parlay the, the experience I had into working for like a big restaurant group um, and got like a job in a kind of corporate headquarters environment, you know, like um, not having to wear a suit and tie every day, nothing like that. But it was still, you know, it was, it was a it was a more big boy traditional kind of career path. And I was at that point, um, my daughter was two years old. My wife and I were saving money living actually in this attic that I'm speaking from right now. Um, we're living in this attic, this wood paneled attic, which I've now dubbed the Starship Wagoneer Studio. <laughs> but um, so we were living here in my in-laws attic and my wife is is uh, part Greek. So it's like kind of it's like one big, you know, fat Greek fam, not fat, but one, you know, the like the like the movie, this one big happy Greek family, so to speak, um, that we uh, are living here and working this job. I'm killing myself, losing my hair, um, you know, just like feeling just kind of spinning my wheels, man. I was just like, oh, gosh. And at a certain point, um, I got let go from that job. And, you know, it was, I take full responsibility. I think I just kind of had like I was either going to like quit or be let go. And it just happened to be being let go. Um, and so, of course, I wallowed around in like a depressinogenic vortex and my own pity party um, for a while. And, uh, and I found, you know, that music was something I had hung up on the kind of back burner, the shelf for a long time at that point for like some years. And I was able to just get back to writing, expressing my thoughts on paper. Um, and then, you know, sitting down at a piano and I had some time on my hands cause I was, I was out of a job collecting unemployment. So, um, you know, playing on the guitar and I, I wrote this song called closer to you. Um, and it was the first release I had from pink honey moan in 2019. And it was just a, a song that really captured kind of the essence of what I was going through at the time, really speaking to the fact that everything I have ever needed or wanted is right there in front of me. It's just, I was, you know, too blind to see it. And, um, yeah, you know, just that, that had to happen in my life. And it was, 
challenging at the time. And granted, I realized how privileged and, um, you know, just I, I was still in a fine position because I'm living at my in-laws house. We're not paying rent. But, you know, there was a lot of like feelings of inadequacy as a, you know, 30 something year old guy who, you know, has a wife and kid and now like is, you know, financially not reliable, um, feeling like I kind of dropped the ball. And I feel, I feel like so much of that, you know, ties into a lot of the, you know, the, you know, these old tropes and ideologies also that our society plays into kind of like, you know, you don't want to go to a social gathering now and somebody's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm unemployed living in my in-laws attic with my wife and kid. It's like, I don't want to say that. (laughs) Um, so that was, it was challenging, man. And, um, once again, you know, you, I, going back to my first challenge, getting past that kind of self doubt and that fear. And like, you know, those first 20 job interviews I went for after that, like they could just like sense the desperation on me, man. I'm like this guy that just like, is just like, come on, give me a job, you know? And like, it wasn't even good jobs. And then finally, you know, through just my network of people and those that I love and know, once again, they, they lift me up. And, uh, a friend of mine who I used to work with was like, Hey man, I got a guy who, um, has, who works for a company based out of London. They're looking to build their U S operations. And I got a job with this wonderful, um, company doing like software implementation and IT kind of management stuff. Um, and that was a wonderful job I had for a bit. And then ultimately, I uh, got let go of that again, um, which I don't usually speak about, but I think everybody kind of lost their job when the pandemic hit, um, unfortunately. And I, I just happened to be one of those people at the, you know, the proverbial rug got pulled out from under. Um, so back into the, you know, <laughs> the laboratory again. And um, I've been able to kind of piece all together with consulting projects and um, being able to work on music much more now, which I feel like brings me up to, I feel like if it wasn't for everything that's happened, you know, all these last couple of years, like I would have never found you and the modern musician community and, and all these like beautiful, wonderful opportunities I have now. So yeah, it's, it all happens for a reason. I, I truly believe that. Wow. What a story. Like, <laughs> so, so, wow. It's, it's like so many things I can say. <laughs> so let me ask you this. So now that you're doing consulting and the music, I know this may seem like an obvious question, but I still have to ask like, Sure. Don't you feel like more freer now, even though it may not be like a regular type of job is, you know, consulting is kind of like self-employed in a, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you feel more like um, emotionally and spiritually more stable in a sense as a result? hundred percent, man. I think so much of it ties into kind of this feeling that, you know, the traditional, I, and I've seen it too, like my, both my father and my father-in-law, they went into like very time consuming uh, careers that, that take a lot of dedication and commitment. Um, And so, you know, I, I, I sensed it myself and my siblings, my dad, you know, wasn't available a lot, both emotionally and and physically because he just wasn't around. And the same thing happened to my wife too. Like he was just um, constantly gone traveling for his work. I just feel like the pandemic really kind of shined a light, on this like feeling of like we're killing ourselves killing ourselves like for like you know especially in new york you're commuting in to the city and like spending all this time like away from your family and like you know ultimately being responsible fiscally responsible and like helping your family that way but at the end of the day it's like how much do you really need to live granted yes in new york city you need to need a lot but like if you're if you're just like a you know a little ways outside like can there be a job that ultimately you can spend a little more time with your family. 
um, and be more available, be more present. And I've just like been, you know, to, to your question, just like that, that freeing up kind of like spiritually, emotionally of my time to dedicate more to my, my wife, my daughter, you know, my, my kind of immediate and surrounding family and friends has just been one of the, the greatest privileges of my life. And like, it stinks that a pandemic had to like ultimately, you know, make that happen. But I am in, I, I do feel super grateful that I've been able to be in a position where I can use my skills to do consulting from home, make a little bit of money and also uh, continue to do music and be, you know, emotionally and physically available for my family. Wow. That says a lot about when, you know, when we first started off, you said that, uh, you know, the wife really makes sure you're on top of doing things with the daughter. And now that makes sense since you both came from that similar background of your father's being too busy with work. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, not to step on any toes, but I, I think it actually makes your relationship even better because you get why she's doing what she's doing. So it's not like, Hey, she's beating me up. It's more of like, okay, you know what? I get it. <laughs> Absolutely. No, you hit that. You hit that on the head, man. And I, I, and I think my, my wife is such a strong woman and I respect her so much. And I just think the world of her. And like I said, you know, like our fights have gotten to be better fights i feel like now like i mean not not to get too much into like marital strife because i think everybody has everybody has marital strife and if yeah. they don't then it's just like i don't know like you know you're holding that shit in <laughs> Sorry, I mean, but, um but like you know it's just i think that anytime you dedicate yourself to another human being you're you're constantly trying to find that that you know even ground um and you know it's it's been it's been a rough couple years, few years for us. Cause yeah, I, I lost a job pre pandemic. I lost another job during the pandemic, you know, um, that, that kind of like that feeling that I, you know, the inadequacies that I have felt end up, you know, kind of reverberating out into our relationship sometimes. And I have to check myself and be like, Jared, like what, why, why are you being so sensitive and like, and like defensive? Like I, you know, she's trying to help me, you know, my wife is trying to help me here, like ultimately be a better person. So I have everything to thank for that. It's, it's a good thing. Wow. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you, um, it was something that you mentioned before you said, um, I'll think of that in a minute. So what's next for, for uh, pink honeymoon, you, you have your, your song about to come out. Uh, do you have like some long-term goals here? Yeah, you know, so yeah, the the ambitious release coming up um, in October, I would say that I've been I've been really kind of in the last couple of years because um, I was gigging I was gigging a lot in my twenties and early thirties, and then you know starting a family that has to subside. You know, I, I want to be available, um, and gigging just doesn't allow that. Um, so I've I got really into kind of like the sync world, synchronization, and like trying to like figure out what that looks like. We'd had a little bit of um, success when I was in one of my bands with like getting some placements on um, television and, and film. Uh, but it was always kind of elusive. I was like, how did, you know, how did that even happen? It actually happened because I had a connection. And then I asked him again, he was like, he's like, Oh no, like we like went in house on that. I'm like, okay. And so I kind of just, it's like, okay, I'll, you know, that was something that happened, but I kind of got back into it and I was like, how do I do this? Um, and so to answer your question, I've been like really um, kind of on the horizon. I've been like working with a lot of like music supervisors and people that have, I guess, the gatekeepers, so to speak, that have the um, 
the keys to ultimately placing my my music in these different mediums like film, TV, advertisements, what have you. Um, I just got like a really cool thing that happened um, the other week. I've been working with this this fantastic business owner um, that he likes my music, and he was like, he's like, you know what, man? They're kind of looking. Um, he had this opportunity that they're kind of looking for like Ed Sheeran type singer songwriter stuff. Um, and he was like, I felt like you kind of fit the bill. Like you have like a similar vibe. And he's like this, this, um, this company in Europe wants to take like 30 songs and like put them in shoe stores that they manage the playlist for in like a bunch of European uh, countries. And I was like, heck yeah, man. Like I would love if somebody's like lacing up their Nikes listening to, you know, one of my tunes. That sounds cool. And like it brings in a little bit of revenue. So it's like all these, like, you know, I think, on the horizon it's like we realize as like music entrepreneurs there can't just be one stream of income you have to have a very diversified portfolio so sync is one of those i mean like you know being able to have some like kind of like brand awareness maybe you could pair up with somebody at some point um obviously streaming pays you know pennies but get enough of it out there and register it code it and load it and make sure it's in all the pros and mechanical rights organizations that's a huge thing um, and then, you know, live streams, Twitch has like really like blown the lid off. I feel like being able to monetize and like a lot of like the Patreons, I know you and I, um, like with the modern musician, like being able to like really like connect the dots when it comes to like your music ecosystem and like bring people in that want to like ultimately, you know, support you. Um, that, there's just so much out there. I think it's just a matter of corralling it all and making sense of it and connecting all those dots to like make a full scope music journey picture. And it's, I'm still, I'm still trying to figure it out, Steve. I mean, I, I feel like you, I know, I know how your brain works somewhat. And I feel like you like, just like, get it, man. Like, how, do, how is it that you are like, so adept and like, I guess, like disciplined at doing that? I would love to know. Wow. Um, that's, <laughs> it's like, where do I start with that question? Um, you know, I, I would say the first thing is that I've always had this pattern throughout my life of following what I'm passionate about. And the second thing is I, I I'm always open to learning. Um, as you can see, I've seen you around a lot of communities. I'm in almost like everything. <laughs> like, if it's there, if it's a songwriting workshop, production workshop, marketing workshop, I mean, I'm in everything, <laughs> you know, like a sponge, you know, <laughs> but what I do though, is I take those things and I customize it to fit my personality. Mm -hmm. So everything I do, I stay honest with who I am. That's the first thing. And I know that can sound a little cliche uh, to people, but it's so important because it can be easy to get caught up in. This is the system that's being shown to me. I'm just going to do this only instead mm -hmm. of, you know what, what do I enjoy doing? Okay. I enjoy motivating people. So here we are with the podcast, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> or, yeah. or here's another opportunity or this or that. And it's just, it's, it's really a similar attitude to how you have. Um, and I was actually going to point that out about you, actually, that you actually have that same mindset. I know you're saying I do, but you actually have that. That's why we we get along already, you know, like, yeah, like you know, I can see us being cool friends, like long-term because your, your mindset is, is there where it needs to be. I mean, look at where you've come from. You come from, you know, the job and working this job and being let go of this job and that job. And you've turned lemons into lemonade. 
mm-hmm. officially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it, took a, it took a little fermentation, but you're right. <laughs> but, you know, and, and sometimes people will say, well, how do you do it? Well, how you do it is the process you're going through. You're hitting your network. You're you're touching the people that you know and say, hey, you know, you're, you're getting out and you're talking to them. First of all, you're taking a chance with your music. Mm-hmm. If you didn't open your mouth or even put yourself out there or even took that chance to be vulnerable, then you wouldn't be coming across uh, potential music supervisors. You wouldn't be coming across A, B, and C. So you're doing those steps. You're you're lining up your life within how it fits you. So you're doing exactly what I've been doing. (laughs) It's just while you're in it, sometimes the pieces don't really come together until after the fact. Mm-hmm. But while you're in it and you're turning, it's like, imagine being in a car and you're driving. And as you're driving, you're not noticing that you're hitting these different terrains that you're going until you stop the car, pull over at a rest stop and you look around like, oh, my God, it's beautiful out here. <laughs> but while you're in the car, you're driving, you're just focused on the speed and the wheel. You're yeah. driving. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I love I love that. I love that analogy. I like there was a, there was a similar analogy that like kind of like to dovetail on the driving analogy and like, and like kind of noticing your, or not noticing your surroundings kind of almost having like a tunnel vision, but then like realizing that your surroundings have been changing. There's also like kind of a, a piece of that, that I feel like as you're driving, you know, like you're making these like little attenuations in the road, like your, your, your yes. hands are maybe at 10 and two, you're constantly, you never just like have them straight. Like, you know, you're not, cause ultimately that right. you're off the path, but you're making those little attenuations, you know, to keep, keep that kind of line going and those little situations are those daily incremental actions that you're taking to ultimately get to your goal you know and i feel like there's like such (laughs) there's such like power that i feel like i've only kind of come to find i always kind of thought like like i have to have this like mysterious like you know i feel like the mystery of music was like for like zeppelin you know like back when like social media wasn't available it's like it's like oh did they really make that groupie eat a fish like or whatever like whatever the stories are like it's like all this like hearsay like you know like lore <laughs> but like nowadays i feel like you know people more than ever want to have kind of like that like lift the veil behind the scenes yes. you know wizard of oz like 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 see like the human because like yes. they're ultimately like relating there's they're maybe they're hearing your music but like they're going to really connect with you there's so much music out there they're only really going to connect with your music if they like you as a person as a human being yeah i feel like that's something you do so well you know and like and and you and i both know our music is not for everybody i mean like we and we have to have enough of a thick skin to be like hey you know what you're, you're not into my music that's totally cool like maybe maybe we, you know 10 years from now maybe right now you're like you like just got out of a bad relationship and like you're whatever, you know, just like, why are you talking about like, you know, being closer to you and your family? It's like, okay, maybe in 10 years from now, you're going to have a wife and a kid and come back to my song and it's always going to be there for you. And you're going to be like, Oh damn, I kind of like this song now. And that's like my hope is that like, I'm making music not for like a flash in the pan listener, but for somebody that like, it can kind of be back pocket and like when they need it, they find it and it resonates with them. And that's like such like a powerful thing. I think about like the music I love is like, it could have been made yesterday or it could have been made in the seventies, but if it has that timeless kind of like quality that they're telling a story from their heart, totally, you know, genuine, authentic heart, then like that will resonate with me. And I just, I mean, I'm always trying to like hone in on that and it's, you know, it's a constant, you know, moving, uh, moving target, but it's just, that's, I guess that's the the beauty of, of this artistic pursuit, man, like continue trying to, trying to hone in on that moving target and attenuate as you drive down that road. 
I love that insinuated as you drive down the road analogy. God, that's some, that's that goes to the marathon and not a sprint. Yeah, brother. All yes. connected. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's also, you know, if you're if you're trying to race up the road, let's say you have a thousand miles to go and it's going to be that mileage and a sprint will be I'm going to go 100 miles an hour, get pulled over. You know, have hard stops. Right, right, right. <laughs> or I can just stick to my 50. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, man. And take my time. <laughs> the age-old adage of the hare and the tortoise, you know? It's just like, the, yeah. it's it's consistency. It's being, and I don't know who actually coined this, but it's, it's you know, it's not about being different. It's about being consistent. And if you're consistently right. showing up as you, then you're just going to you're the only one person that can be you. And as cliche as that sounds, it's true. Like nobody else yep. can be you. So if you consistently show up as you, then people are going to be like, wow, like this guy's not going away. I might've hated him or I was annoyed by him at first, but like now I'm kind of like, oh, like <laughs> kind of like, you know, he's wearing on me like in a nice way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and I think it boils down to people have to get to know you too as well. And when you have like the bigger artists, um, the only difference, I'm not saying they're not talented because there's a, a ton of great talented bigger artists that there really are, but they have that marketing machine behind them known as the labels, the bigger labels. And they're, they're giving all these um, mediums to where people can get to know them in a bigger way. So at us being, you know, not major artists, we can do the same exact thing. We're just doing it ourselves instead of having a big machine do it for us. And so that is really no difference. And, you know, what, what amazes me about music as well as perception it is even though it's kind of shifting some, it's still not gone. But if if everyone thinks that everyone else likes a song, it's almost like something in their head that says, well, I like the song, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, there is. There's strength, there's strength in that kind of in that kind of, I guess, not I don't know, peanut gallery, but like yeah, there's strength in like people um, validating it for you, so to speak. And I guess. Right. I, I've been like that in my life too. I feel like I really do try to get outside my proverbial box of like listening to, you know, sad dad rock singer songwriters. <laughs> but, but like the, um, I, I really like, and I think this is, this is one of the beauties of like um, having like a Spotify and I'm still very much an album guy. Like I love listening to like a full album front to back. But yeah. I also love like, I, I, um, I subscribe. There's a couple of people like music supervisors that will like put out like playlists um, of things that they're listening to that like caught their ear. And I feel like they're always so eclectic and so like, just kind of, there's like some really niche things. And I'll yeah. just like on my runs, listen to those and just like make little, you know, hearts next to them and be like, like, that's super cool. Like they like used, you know, that melodic riff in like a way that like I hadn't really heard before or like whatever <laughs> it is. And like trying to kind of get outside, like I said, my proverbial box. Um, Cause yeah. we all, we all fall into that at times. Um, but yeah, man. I, I, was, I feel like you hit on something that I also wanted to, um, to touch on. Um, yeah, I don't know. I can't remember what it was, but anyways, yeah, I'm loving. I'm loving just you know good good riffing here, Steve. For sure. Yeah, and just let me know whenever you have to go because you know it's it's we can go on and on, you know, yeah, which is good. No, good way. That's the beauty. That's the beauty of working from home, man. I don't have to hop in a car and and, uh, and go somewhere. So it's it's a nice thing for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah and you mentioned you play. Um, you play. I know you play the guitar, so you play the piano as well too. Ooh, not well. Um, I, what, what I, so I guess I, when I say I play the piano, I should, I should, uh, have like a little asterisk next to that. I write, I write on the piano cause I find that it kind of, uh, going back to what I said, taking me out of my proverbial box. I'm so attuned to just, I learned guitar 
um, in my teens and have always written on guitar. And so like I started, you know, just getting on the piano to like find kind of new ways to like voice things. And I feel like the piano is like such a nice way to do that. Um, I, I know enough to kind of know the boxy chords, you know, like a lot of the root chords and stuff like that. Um, right. and, it, and it has helped my songwriting, I think, uh, Closer to You, actually, um, was written on the piano. And okay. it was just like a very, you know, I, I feel like Bill Withers talks about this. He talks about uh, writing uh, Lean on Me. And he was just kind of like, he's like, you know, like, he sat down at the piano. I think he had like a similar thing where he was kind of like, I wasn't like a classically trained pianist, but I mean, that voice, I mean, holy shit, I'll never have a voice like Bill Withers, but, but Bill Withers as a, as a pianist, you know, was not the most technical guy, but he right, just like found right. a way to just go, dun, 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 you know, just that very easy, just, you know, boom, 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 super, not, nothing crazy technical about it. And I feel like that, if you can find a way to find a voicing and a melody within, you know, those like super easy kind of piano structures going back to almost like um, how I feel like my songwriting has gotten better from just like playing silly little kid songs to my daughter. Like I find that like you ultimately kind of like default to like easy, simple melodies because I want my daughter to remember like, please and thank you are the things to say. Like a little song I wrote about like using, you know, polite words, right? Uh, you know, things like that. And it's just like, it's like I, I might say like, oh, like that was like super memorable and she'll remember that. And then like, I can like somehow translate that into something more profound, even though please and thank you is super profound. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I think that, yeah, my piano playing, um, sorry, I keep getting off on these like huge, uh, huge dovetails. My, my piano playing is pretty, pretty rudimentary, but I do use it to, to write. And then what I'll, what I'll typically do for the last couple songs um, that I've written and released, I, my producer has like an amazing um, couple people, session people that he uses that will ultimately play it. And it just sounds like a million times better than I could ever play it. So it's kind of <laughs> like, I feel good that like I have written this like, you know, beautiful piece of music that this person can then like actually make come to life. <laughs> and then, yeah, it's, it's, I've, I've also found, and I, I would be curious to ask you this too, Steve, like, um, you know, I think there was so much of my kind of so much of my musical life. I feel like I wanted to do everything. I wanted to have like full creative control, you know, from like the songwriting to like playing the guitar on the track to like singing it to like, yeah, playing the piano, whatever it is. I mean, granted, I couldn't play drums, but maybe like programming the drum machine or whatever it is, like full creative control, this kind of ivory tower songwriter. Like, I don't want to have any collaboration. I had this like sense that I had this for a long time. And then only since I've like opened myself up um, by playing in bands and also just working with producers and other songwriters, I feel like that's also a huge reason my music has gotten better because I've like opened myself up mm -hmm. to different perspectives and like, you know, they can, I've gotten to a point now where I'm not so sensitive about constructive criticism that I can then take their constructive feedback and be like, Hey, you know what? That's not working. Let's like make this like as super solid as it can be. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, you know, no hard feelings. And like, I just want this to be you know, at the end of the day, man, it's like, if it doesn't sound good, it doesn't sound good. Like nobody <laughs> wants to like listen to a polished turd. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but like, I, I guess, sorry, but what, how do you feel about like collaboration? Has that been like a big piece of your, um, you know, I guess musical journey? In, with collaboration? Oh yeah. I, I love collaborations. I love it. Um, and because it, it, here's my biggest thing about it. We're in music to serve mm -hmm. and it amazes me to this day how many artists still don't get that? 
<laughs> so true, man. It's so, but, true. Yeah. so when you're collaborating, you're saying I'm open to serving and I'm open to, to making it not all about me. And I'm open to hearing what other people can contribute mm-hmm. or how they're hearing their perspective. They may hear a, and I may hear, ah, <laughs> you know, we may blend it. So I, I love collaboration. I think collaboration is super awesome. I mean, um, um, my my song that's on the Grammy ballot coming up, that was a product of collaboration. Oh, nice, man. So, you know what I mean? And it was just, I, I think it's wonderful collaborate because it, I mean, I still write by myself as well, too, but I do both. I collaborate and write by myself, but I feel like the collaboration keeps that muscle exercising, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> because yeah. sometimes we hear things and we may hear from our perspective, but we may be too close to it. And someone else can come along and hear something slightly different in it. And it puts that edge on it. Oh, hundred percent, man. I feel yeah. it's funny too too, like sometimes like for instance um you know my the song that i have coming up uh on october 22nd running up the hillside Mm -hmm. there was a line that when i initially you know like i I don't know your process my process a lot of times like i'll be out running um and then like you know i'll like kind of like a melody to the beat of my feet like going through my head or whatever and like i'll kind of just hum it into my phone as i'm going and i'll get home sit on the guitar a lot of times or piano and I remember I had this, like the, the first line that came out was like, like, I'm running up the hillside. Maybe I was out for a run. I was like, I'm running up the hillside. And it's like, get into that state of mind. And then like, for whatever reason, just the stream of conscious that came out, I was like, remember me from high school. And like, I know it sounds like super affected my voice and like, and, and cringy, but it was, it was so cringy when I first said, I was like, remember me from high school. Like, what, like, <laughs> why would I say that? And then like the next line was like, I bet you think you do. And I'm kind of like, like that is like way too trite and, and like just weird and stupid. And like, I'm it's like, I'm scrapping that. But then like, funny enough, man, like, you know, I, I, um, I, I had written that song in like 2015. And when I brought it to my producer, John, um, in 20, it would have been like 2019 after we initially did closer to you, I sent him like 50 songs to kind of like, cause he was like, he's like, dude, like I loved working on closer to you with you. He's like, let's do like a few more songs to get him in the pipeline. So I sent, he's like, send me some work tapes. And I sent him like, this like this big, like 50, uh, you know, plus song zip file. I was like, dude, I'm so sorry. But like, I have just like so much in my hard drive graveyard that I need to like get this out and to see if there's anything here that's like, you know, viable. And he plucked um, at that time I was calling it deep sixed. Um, cause there's a line that says deep six, that old part of me. Um, and he was just like, he's like, this has something, man. I had, and actually I had like at that, I had sent him a word tape where I did it on piano and it was like, you know, super kind of like choppy, but like he heard that song and he was like, it's like that. Remember me from high school. I bet you think you do. He's like, that's like, he's like, there's something there that like, mm-hmm. just like, like that resonated with me. So I think what I'm trying to say is like, even those like cringy kind of like, you know, things that you initially say, like for instance, like Paul McCartney writing yesterday, scrambled eggs, all my troubles seem so far. I think he said scrambled eggs instead of yesterday. And it's right. like, obviously he didn't keep that, but you know, you just like, you kind of like in that moment, the tap is turned on and you have to just like capture it. And just like, if it sounds like crap, you know, the best writers are rewriters and edit and rewrite and edit. And somehow the, um, remember me from high school, but you think you do like the kind of main part of the course of running at the hillside stuck and people, Still, you know, like music supervisors and stuff like that are like, like, this is like one of your best songs. And I'm just like, dang, like I was ready to scrap that song. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm not sure 
how I went off on that whole tangent. Oh, no, no. That's a great point. <laughs> Never, ever, ever strap anything, any yeah. songs, like always. And we were talking about collaborations. That That's another thing for collaborations is sometimes we have too much self-judgment mm. of what we might think is stupid or not stupid. And you can have someone else come along like, wow, that was awesome. Like the high school. See, now, now even I remember that now, you know, like, <laughs> so, because it's relatable. Yeah. Think, it's relatable. It, and it's not about being perfect. It's about connecting. Mm-hmm. And when you connect to people, that means they're relating to what you're saying. So, <laughs> so it's real important to just go on those raw gut instincts when something is hitting you and like, hey, I'm not going to strap this. I'm going to voice note it. I'm going to remember it. And like I said, like I, I wrote that in 2015 mm-hmm. and I didn't come back to it. Cause I kind of was like, Oh, it's too, it's too cringy. Like I can't say something like that. Like, <laughs> I like the melody, but I just like, I guess I just wasn't enough to like think, but yeah, I, I was able to come back to it and like with the help of my producer. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And, and it's funny too. And I guess I want to ask you as well, like um, the song itself my songs, I feel like a lot of times change meaning depending on what kind of chapter I am in my life. And that song at the time was me kind of like thinking about like coming back to my 10 year high school reunion and like wanting to like have like a Romeo and Michelle's like high school uh, reunion where I like, I'm like, I've like made something myself in the big city, you know? And like, like, look at me. Like it was like super ego driven at the time. I wasn't a father yet. And like, I feel like there was so much ego um, with my like, kind of like lifestyle and trajectory. But, and now like I look at the song and the song meaning now has this kind of like nuanced more of a nuanced feel where it's like i'm asking me i'm asking my high school self kind of like do you remember me from high school i bet you think you do kind of like i have changed and evolved but i've also stayed the same in a lot of ways so it's kind of like this like you know reflection of like who i am now and who i was as like a 16 year old so but do you have i mean i guess sorry (laughs) do you have um do you feel like your songs you know, from the kind of the inception when you wrote them, the meaning takes on a different tone and like, and kind of color, like as, as the song ages, I guess, in your mind? Well, it's a great point that you bring up. And here's, here's my take on it. I feel, um, you know, I'm a spiritualist, so I'm not really a religious person. I'm more like spiritual, um, not to get into that on here, you know, but well, I tend to stay away from religious topics because that's like, that's one of the number one, um, debatable type of conversation, but, but the reason I bring it up is because I really feel like, um, whether you're a musician or not, whether you're a singer or not, that everyone is in tune with their gut feelings and intuitions on some level, all of us as humans. Um, and sometimes us as writers and musicians, sometimes we're more in tune to expressing it. And even though you're saying your song was ego driven at the beginning, there, there still was something underneath that ego mm-hmm. because the words of the song, the base words of the song, cause I've heard the song. It, it, it didn't sound like ego to me. It may have sounded like ego to you at the time, but something within yourself was making those words come out the way they came out. Mm. Mm. And so based on where you're at in your life, the song is going to resonate based on where you are in your life. So it's almost as if like the underlying spirit in us is the actual real author of the songs and our mental thinking is more of like, okay, now we're listening to the song as a listener and not as a creator. 
And so when you're listening to the song as a listener, we can both hear the same song and it has different meanings for where we are. Mm. Mm. No, thanks. Thanks for saying that, Steve. And I think, I I think, I think, you know, you did touch on a good point because so much of the time you, you know, you write kind of, there's, you, you write the best stuff I feel like comes from, yeah, this like kind of bubbling subconscious and, you know, whatever needed to come out at that time needed to kind of marinate and manifest. Obviously the song wasn't recorded when I first wrote it. Um, So it needed to kind of have had that time to like, mold and, and mutate into something that like I could identify with in a way that made me, and it was always there, obviously. Yeah. Like, I just had to like be at a, a certain place in my life to like really like acknowledge that initial kind of uh, inception of it. So no, thanks for saying that, Steve. It's, I, I guess this also brings up a point. Do you, do you have trouble listening to your own music? Um, it depends. Like if a million people hear something, I get excited every time I hear somebody else hear something. Yeah, like yeah. it never gets old, but of course in the process of making it, you're hearing it so much. It's like, okay, I just need to break from it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. to feel other people's feelings, I never get tired of it at that point. That's um, awesome. It, like it just depends. Yeah. yeah I, I think because um, I'm so busy as a person that I take natural breaks from it. <laughs> so, <laughs> But for me to go back and listen to it, something has to trigger it. It may be someone commenting on something or someone wanting something. And then I get just as excited about it as I was when it was first created. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I like that, man. I, I feel like that is such a, that's such a big thing too, that I found with like <sighs> releasing music. Like you finally, it's kind of like you've been holding on to like this, like thing so tight. And I feel like so much of the time we treat our like music as like these little babies that, like, yeah. we don't want the world to like it's not ready to be in the world yet you know and like but then once it's released it's kind of like it truly is like the, the physical act of like releasing you know not only from like your like the quiet co- quiet confines of like your heart and your mind but like like this is something for you now like i give this to you and uh to be able to i guess to your point kind of like experience it vicariously through you know other listeners that is like the gift right there man like yeah. <laughs> to have somebody be like, man, like I heard that and it reminded me of this or like it, it, you know, gave me this, this feeling. And it's like, maybe not even something that you had intended, but like they, it touches somebody in like a different way. And it's just like, that's like such a, such a powerful thing for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, this has been awesome, man. Like, wow. Like you see, you, you know, first come on and it can be like, what are we going to talk about? But when this, <laughs> you know, I only like to have people on that, I'm vibing with in some kind of way. And, and it just flows so well. Like it's, mm. <laughs> it's, it's almost like it's probably not even enough for one episode, you know, on another time. I would be, I would be humbled and honored for, uh, for round two with Mr. Steve Ryan. That'd be awesome. It, it's so much to talk about. I, I feel like I have so many questions, but it's like, it's, Because, you know, the interesting thing is when you have someone like you who you're being honest about what you're going through, your family man, your father, your husband, and you've been through all these things and it comes out in your music, it just makes people want more. It makes Mm -hmm. them want to know more. Who is this pink honeymoon? Who's this Jarrett? Who's they want more? And I think it's awesome. I'm I'm excited. I'm, I'm a fan of your music. And I 
Thanks. Yeah, and you as a person, I think is awesome. (laughs) That means means a lot. You You Um, know, because it's so sincere and I can't say that enough. Like I I feel like, um, you know, mentioning going back to music, sometimes there, there has been a struggle with, you know, I've grown as a musician, I've grown as a writer, and this is who I am now. And I've had to come to a place, and I don't know if you've experienced this, but to where it's like, you know what? I'm going to still appreciate the old music. Mm-hmm. At some point of time, I wrote it. At some point of time, it was out there. Still appreciate it. I can still evolve into this, who I am now, but still appreciate where we've come from. And that's mm-hmm. why I won't take it down. Yeah, man. You know, <laughs> driving down that down that highway, man. You know, it might be a lot of tumbleweeds going by, and then all of a sudden, like, wow, look where I, look where I am. I've I've traveled a long ways, and like, thank goodness, you know, I've just been been attenuating on the wheel that whole time. <laughs> yeah, and and I and I love the 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 marathon and sprint. I, I wish that may be the the description of this. He runs a marathon and not a sprint. <laughs> I love him, man. <laughs> because, you know, because it's so, imp- I, I feel like it can apply to any area of life, like not just music, but even if someone has a goal, um, if someone, you know, have a certain dream they want to accomplish, if they view it like a marathon instead of a sprint, mm-hmm. they won't get exhausted as mm-hmm. much. <laughs> yeah, man. <It's>, <laughs> there won't be that pressure of, I'm not doing enough. Right, that self right. that self doubt, is all in perception. <laughs> it, it is, man. You know, I th- I think the the you know the talking heads in our own like voice in our head, like we're always thinking we need to be further than we are, but we just need to yeah. treat ourselves with a little more kindness and just like realize how far we've come. And you know, yes. this is a kind of uh, to your to the point of like a marathon. It's like the twenty year overnight success story, so, so to speak. Because like you know, even somebody like Justin Bieber, like some some people are just like, oh, like Usher just like plucked him out of the ether. And it's like it's like yeah, I mean he was young and like he got lucky, but he was also putting himself out there, like on YouTube. Yeah, and Usher had to find it, and he had talent. He has talent. Yeah. I think Justin Bieber's talented. And like I was just like, it's like that. Did you ever see that documentary, the Justin Bieber documentary? Uh, I um, saw some of it. I haven't yeah, seen the whole thing. Yeah, it was cool, man. And like, and I'm not like a huge fan of Justin Bieber. I'm just kind of like, I think people love to hate on people that they think like didn't have to work for it. Right. Um, you know, yeah. and like, that's, that's, I think that you're working for it just by putting yourself out there, man. And like, mm-hmm. if something resonates and connects, then, you know, it's not going to be for everybody. obviously. Right. Because people don't understand how hard it can be to put yourself online singing and, and doing things. It can, mm-hmm. you know, because you're always going to have the haters. You're always going to have the negative walls come up. But it takes a lot to go on camera and say, hey, I'm going to put myself out there. So for him to do that at such a young age, yeah, man, that's a huge, my hat's off to anyone, you know, mm-hmm. regardless of their journey, because it takes a lot to be vulnerable and to put yourself out there. Yeah, <laughs> 100%, man. Would uh, would I be able to be vulnerable right now and do a do a little tune maybe? Uh, to, to absolutely, cool. Yeah, man. go for it. Um, all right. I uh, I know we we discussed before. You know, we kind of came online here a song, and I was thinking something that would be kind of fitting is uh, I love Otis Redding and uh, his song Dock of the Bay. I feel like is about kind of his journey, man. He's like sitting there reflecting on the dock, and he's like left my home in Georgia. You know, he's like kind of, and granted, he was a young man when he died. I think he was like 24. It's like, which, you know, just is heartbreaking The like the, all the beautiful music that poured out of him and like how much more could have been if it wouldn't have been for his tragic, you know, early demise. But um, 
but so yeah, I love the song uh, "Dock of the Bay" by Otis Redding. So let's uh, let's do that, and right. please sing please sing along if uh, <laughs> you, know, you know the words. All right, let's do this here. You guys, get like a little level level check. Does that sound okay? Sitting in the morning sun, I'll be sitting when the evening comes, watching the ships roll in and watch them all away again. So just sitting on the deck of the bay, watching the time roll away. Ooh, Wasting time. I left my home in Dakota, headed for the New York Bay. I got nothing to live for, but got nothing gonna come my way. So just sitting on the dock of the bay, watching the tide. Look like nothing gonna change. Everything still remains the same. I could do ten people so I guess I remain the same. Rest in my bones, then this loneliness won't leave me alone. Two thousand miles alone, just to make this dark my home. Sitting on the dark of the bay, watching the tide roll away. Sitting on the dark of the bay. Wasting Wow. <laughs> Including the whistling in key. <laughs> I've lived in New York a long enough time. I had to like spit on my fingers a lot of nights to, you know, figure out the taxi cab whistle. Granted it's Ubers now, but you still can whistle at them. Um, wow. Thanks, that man. was uh, <laughs> incredible. Like, wow. <laughs> wow. That's, I, I couldn't even better sing along because I was enjoying it so much. It was just like, <laughs> <laughs> like wow like wow you you really have an incredible voice like it's it's so it's so cool man it's it's soothing it's not like um it's not piercing you know? oh, thanks man i, I wow. sometimes feel it can be but that, that song is it's <laughs> I, I feel like uh i don't even hold a candle to otis redding's just like soulfulness but i i do find i like just there's something about that song 
And, you know, I think it's the journey that Otis Redding had been on at that point and stuff too. It just gets in my bones and like comes through me in a way that like feels so authentic and genuine. So I appreciate you saying all that, Steve. Thank you so much, man. Yeah. And it's funny you, you picked that song because that was, that was one of my dad's uh, favorite songs. And he used to play that on the piano all the time. So kid, in in fact, I think I might've posted a video of him playing it, either that song or a different, but yeah, he used to play that song like all the time. Check that out, man. I'm going to look on your YouTube page and find it. And you know, that might've been the last, it was either that song or a different song. That was one of the last songs he played. And then, so that song have a special place, you know, it's funny out of all the songs in the whole world, you pick that song. You know? <laughs> That's powerful, man. No, thanks, for that thanks for sharing that about your father, man. I'm so happy that I picked that song too, man. There must've been something in the, you know, the cosmic uh, kind of Kool-Aid that, uh, that, you know, that was channeling through, man. So <laughs> yeah, he's probably dancing in the clouds and we're like, all right, we're going to, uh, on the dock. Of the- <laughs> was, was, was he also Steve Ryan or what was his name? Uh, Bubba. I call him Bubba. Bubba. Oh, I love it. Man. Oh, I love it. Nice. That's yeah. Awesome. That's what that's what that uh Proud of Me song was uh, dedicated to him and, and anyone who lost someone they love, not just him, but it's for anyone. But yeah, that was that was a very, very awesome, like wow, like wow, that that was <laughs> wow, that was pretty awesome. <laughs> like, wow, that is, that's pretty cool. <laughs> well, I'm happy. I'm happy. I was able to do a little number here and um, yeah, man, thank you so much for all your, your good energy and time. And I just so appreciated being on here and being able to speak with you about, you know, music journeys and life and all the, all the things in between, man. It's all, it's all good stuff. You know, it's no bad days kind of type thing. <laughs> yeah. And maybe, um, maybe we have you on again, like a week before your release, just a, like another powwow to talk about it. You know, That's cool, man. That'd be yeah. really cool. I, I could maybe, I can maybe try to try to hobble together the, the song, um, the actual song. So yeah, I can maybe, I can, I can figure out a way to play it probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd be cool. Or, or maybe like, uh, we'll put something in the description, like, you know, if people join your email list or something, they can get a copy ahead of everyone else or, you know, cool. something. I'm sure everybody's listening and watching. would love that. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what? If, if, um, in the the link that you're going to send out with the kind of GoFundMe stuff, there's like mm-hmm. all sorts of like really cool goodies um, that people can check out, like uh, that pertain to the music marathon song release. So yeah, all okay. that all that stuff. Um, if they're able to donate, like donate like five bucks, they get a free download of the song, uh, kind of like their own like you know, little NFT, uh, like EPK kit that like I give them that like has like a, you know, kind of specific to them. So it's pretty cool. Oh, awesome. (laughs) Well, wow. It's been great having you on today and everybody go to pinkhoneymoan.com. P-I-N-K-H-O-N-E-Y-M-O-A-N.com. And it's not raunchy. It's about love. (laughs) <laughs> that's my new tagline steve thank you for that. <laughs> it's not raunchy it's about love <laughs> well that wraps it up for this edition of fired up friday with pink yeah. honeymoon <laughs> thank you so All much right. you guys have a good one everybody see you next week <laughs> Are you ready to feel good? Are you ready to feel inspired?
then come and get your I Am Strong merch. It's smooth on the skin. And guess what? When you wear it, people will be asking, where did you get that shirt? Where did you get those clothes? And you can say, I am strong. So come on over to steveryan.com and get your I Am Strong merch today. That's steveryan.com.